Hello, and good day, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Magic the First Pioneers podcast. This podcast is all about the Pioneer format, and we keep our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, and powerful in the world of Pioneer. I'm your host, Kevin Finkel, joined here with my co-host and our favorite returning guest. Hey, everybody. It's Ryan, the uh, cardboard samurai out of the uh, Tokyo area of Japan. And guest? What's up? It's your boy, Ashiok. He's back for part two, three, I don't know, part infinite. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, glad you, to have you back on the show. We uh, had you sort of last week. That episode hasn't been out to everyone yet, so they may not have heard it. But uh, we're always glad to have you on the show here, and we're starting to get excited. It's you know I always say it's everyone's favorite time is when new cards get spoiled, when people get new toys to play with, and it's not quite our spoiler episode yet. We always do a full set spoiler, mm-hmm. which will probably be next week. But we've gotten enough of the set that we know you know, you know some of the mechanics, some of the big things that are being reprinted and printed in the set that we just couldn't help ourselves. We got to go ahead and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, and just as uh, the person who's in charge of the uh, the editing, I did want to apologize. Um, we have to re-record uh, last week's episode, so it's going to be put on hold since we're so close to uh, spoiler season here, and it'll probably just come out after spoilers. So again, apologies for that. Partially re-record, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, only part of it needs to be recorded. But we've been so busy, we haven't been able to re-record that part. So might as well, you know, just do it later. Anyways, so yeah, today's topic, uh, we're going to be talking about our first impressions uh, of the uh, um, New Phyrexia uh, All Will Be One. And uh, I thought we'd start off, you know, I want to, I want to, we're going to have a huge episode next week, but I kind of want to reduce the amount of stuff we talk about on that episode with some stuff today so uh, i know kevin you 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 usually like to talk about the mechanics and you know like yeah. the stuff like that first so that'll save us like you know 10 or 15 minutes from next week so let's do that today do you want to go over the list of uh, all of the uh, things that we're getting in uh all will be one Ooh, and let's see if i can remember everything because it feels like it's a lot maybe i should pull up the uh, mechanics <laughs> chat path pamphlet from this set but uh, i'll try and you know go through the ones that i know (laughs) big one is going to be toxic is we've got poison counters coming back for the first time in a long time Mm -hmm. and it's being done in a way that you know kind of has been done before um toxic is technically completely unique but it's almost 100 percent identical to poisonous which is something we used to have Mm -hmm. um you know creatures that would when they deal combat damage they also do some amount of poison counters equal to whatever their toxic number is. Uh, so, of course, if you get up to 10 poison counters in some way, then you that player loses the game. And this set also has some things that are called corrupted, where they care about if an opponent has three or more poison counters. So you don't need to get them all the way, but once you've started to do some damage with poison, uh, then you get to have some additional effects, and it's just like a threshold you've hit, and usually will last that way for the rest of the game. So, is toxic basically the only difference between that and poison uh, or poisonous? Is just that you can get more than one counter at a time? Um, no, no. There are things with more than one poisonous. Uh, the difference is purely in that poisonous was a trigger. Uh, you would hit somebody, and then you know they would take two damage, and then they would get two poison counters as a trigger. Mm-hmm. Toxic is you deal somebody damage, and they take two damage and a poison counter, or whatever. Two damage and two poison counter, whatever the number is. I can so, shed some light on why to the change. Mm-hmm. Uh, the change happened. Uh, they talked about it on the mainstream, the Magic stream. Uh, they changed it because they didn't feel like the word poisonous was really thematic for the set. Because imagine if all these Phyrexians were out here just like stabbing people with like little poisonous sticks. They wanted to make it like a lot more of like an, an idea of like being like a toxic thing to like try to like corrupt the world, and it just kind of worked better apparently. Not, I mean, not, not gonna lie. When I heard the word toxic, I thought Pokemon. That's fair. Yeah, no. I thought Britney Spears. No so luck. Cool. Oh, that as well. Yeah, <laughs> Britney yeah. Spears is no. a throwback though. 
Muck uses toxic. Yeah. Or Grimer, whatever his name is. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Okay, so, uh, you know, we didn't get Infect back. Are you guys happy that we didn't get Infect? Yes. Because Infect yeah, was definitely like... Yeah, happy we didn't get Infect. I don't want Creatures also got <laughs> minus one counters, right? Yeah, it also had, like, the, the subtype of, like, Wither, which was always just, mm-hmm. like, really, yeah. really, really toxic to try to, like, funny enough, keep track of. So I do like that we have, like, the more combat damage. It also just, like, helps out the limited format. There's just so much better things that come of it being poisonous i I will say that with toxic not having that effect that um infect does it does make it seem like a much much weaker mechanic uh you know not just the fact you can't pump something up and do a huge amount of damage you know with a infect creature but the fact that you know before you didn't really want to block small infect creatures so they could get in there and start to grow up some poison counter numbers you know in things like a limited format whereas in this format you like okay, you know, if I block the creature, it's just a 1-1. One, one. You know, a 1-1 one, one with Toxic, you can just always block it, and it's always just a 1-1. One, one. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, there, there's, it's going to make it less easy for these to get through. Uh, and then the other thing that I've kind of been comparing this to is, like, I, I remind myself of Ingest, I want to say it was, from one of the Eldrazi sets, uh-huh. where, like, you know, the creature deals damage, and it, you know, exiles one card from the top of their library. I'm like, yeah, there were things you could do once you had some cards exiled, kind of like we've got the Corrupted, where you can do some things once you've got Poison Counters. Mm-hmm. But it was, like, such a small impact that it never really is like, oh, I'm going to mill my opponent out by, you know, giving them one exile off the top of their deck at a time. I kind of feel the same, like, um, unless if we have some way to build around Toxic, I don't feel like you're going to kill anybody with Poison Counters with these Toxic creatures. Okay, and that's a good segue, I think, into my, my question I was going to ask for each of these new mechanics. Do you think it has what it takes to make it in Pioneer? Like, will Toxic become a thing? Will people build around Toxic? Uh, if we're looking at, like, a general scope of things, I think this one has the second best chance to try to make it into Pioneer. I do think that they pushed a lot of hmm. cards that were really powerful, uh, with the toxic mechanic however it, it is really hard to gauge it because it isn't infect and that's something that we're used to is the overbearing effect of infect mm-hmm. on modern we haven't seen toxic before we've seen very similar things with it on being on one card and a future site set uh but still i i i'm i'm very hesitant to give it like oh my god it's gonna break pioneer or even oh my god it's gonna be so powerful i think we're along the lines of yes it could do something in like a tier two mm. tier three strategy yeah, I, I'm kind of on the f- the page that there are some good toxic cards, but I don't think that people are going to build around trying to win with poison counters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just the one future site card that had it. There were cards previously that had exactly that effect. You know, it would be like a 2-2 that gives a poison. Oh, yeah, those were the old uh, Tempest cards that got reskinned. To yeah, poisonous. I played back in yeah, those days. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they were never good. Like, you, you're like, oh, man, I'm giving them poison counters. And it was always just like, oh, I guess I killed them with combat damage in the same amount of time because you know a 2-2 that gives one poison counter kills at the same rate as a you know a 2-2 without giving poison mm-hmm. counters yeah okay so um next uh thing that i wanted to talk about because it kind of goes along with the uh, toxic mechanic is proliferate we're getting more proliferate cards we initially got it in i want to say where the spark is that uh, correct? Proliferate's been around uh, since, like, Mirrodin Besieged, I believe. Or Mirrodin. But I mean, uh, I mean, we, uh, for Pioneer, I mean. Oh, for Pioneer, yes, it's been since War of the Spark. War of the Spark? I thought it was Dominaria or something uh, like I don't that, believe but... it was Dominaria. I think War of the Spark was the first mechanic that, or sorry, you said that really brought it back. 
Mm-hmm. Like maybe there's like some minor cards with like some text on it that was proliferate or proliferate adjacent, mm-hmm. but the actual keyword proliferate was never like a major thing in any set outside of well the Mirrodin block and War of the Spark. Yeah, so proliferate. Uh, people that don't know about it, it, you can put any type of counter. You can add one uh, of it. So this can be a toxic counter. This could be or a poison counter. This could be a uh, plus one plus one counter. This could be a um, you know, if you're from Ikora, you could do another trample counter if you want for no reason. I don't know why. Um, Planeswalker, loyalty counters, all these things can be proliferated. And, uh, yeah, again, this kind of goes along with Toxic. Could we see a deck maybe uh, that's, you know, just like, hey, you put a couple Toxic counters on and then proliferate to the win? Uh, what do you guys think about proliferate or having more proliferate? Does it have what it takes to be playable in Pioneer? I do think that some of the cards that exist in the set um, are going to be impactful enough. I do think that this was the keyword that kind of came back in a lot of these cards that were proliferate cards ended up being a lot more powerful this time around than they were in, say, War of the Spark. So I do mm-hmm. think some of these cards may actually see some play. I do think that they'll, they'll be super competitive. I think they're really well statted. I think they're very diverse. I I think proliferate is the mechanic that we're going to have to look at with a magnifying glass when we come to the set review. Because it mm-hmm. does look like this is the key. Because they made it so it wasn't based around 1-1 counters in this set. Because there is no creatures in this set that give 1-1 counters. Because they wanted to mm-hmm. try to avoid that for limited. And now we're seeing them try to use it in other ways. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see the trickle-down effect that we do see on Pioneer. Kevin, any... Yeah, I yeah. think that that's a, that's a great way to put it. Is that I think a lot of these are much better statted cards. Um, you know, we're seeing things like an Anticipate that has a Proliferate on it. Whereas before we would see it like at Sorcery Speed, you know, we, we there was a card, one in a blue, Sorcery Speed, draw a card, Proliferate. Now we're seeing, you know, look at the top three, put one in your hand and Proliferate at an instant. Like that that's my biggest example of where it's like, okay, they're willing to push these cards a little bit, make them reasonable and i think that's a good thing because proliferate beforehand you know the war of the spark proliferate cards didn't feel very strong uh as far as your question though is are we gonna make this a toxic deck i'm not sure i'm there like most of the cards that i'm interested in that have proliferate are more like blue red maybe green mm-hmm. um and i think the that most of the toxic one, cards the are more in like white and black mm-hmm. yeah I, I agree wholeheartedly that Toxic is not going to be what we're trying to proliferate here. I think there's plenty of other permanents and plenty of other cards that we're much, much more interested in proliferating. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see, I see, here's my thing. I think we could see this in a control deck, maybe with like Planeswalkers and just like switching out one of their draw cards with, with draw and proliferate type type effect. Or um, I love those kind of decks. Or maybe like a, a counters deck, plus and plus one counters. Um, you know, they, they need to go bigger, faster, harder, stronger, whatever, I, you know, it's Daft Punk, whatever. But, um, uh, I think that, that type of deck has been wanting that type of thing as well. So I'm, I think people will be building with it. Probably not tier one, maybe fringe playable. That's fair. Yeah. That is a point with uh, the plus one plus one counter cards though, is that it can be tough to have a good balance. Um, you know, the scales deck, I kind of always say, always have an issue where it's like, okay, can you draw your cards that give plus one, plus one counters versus all of your enablers, you know, your hardened scales, mm-hmm. your planeswalkers, maybe your elves if you're playing that. And it can often feel like, oh, you draw the random half of the deck. Proliferate kind of exacerbates that issue because if you're drawing your proliferate creatures and they themselves don't give plus one, plus one counters, then they're not doing anything for you in that current mm. game. So, I mean, no, sorry, I was going to say, uh, if, 
you guys don't mind, can we move on to my, the next thing? Because there's some more stuff I wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah, there are still some mechanics. Um, so there's been a couple things that have oil counters. You know, you'd mentioned yeah. how there's not plus one, plus one counters. Uh, they're using oil counters on several creatures. You know, there's nothing that really ties them all together mechanically, but it's just a thing that they're doing. You know, it's a new type of counter that several creatures have, you know, and it's something to proliferate, if nothing else. Uh, do you have anything more to say on that specific mechanic, no. or do we want to just talk? There's another yeah. mechanic I there's, thought it's going to have a bigger impact. There is a better one. Uh, is this the one you're talking about, Four Mirrodin? No. With no. an exclamation point? No, we can talk about okay. Four that, that is another one. Yeah. yeah, we're getting some new living weapon cards, essentially, where they enter. It's an equipment that enters attached to a 2-2 red rebel mm-hmm. token, which is, you know, a big difference. Like, that, that is a much bigger body than just entering as a 0-0. Um, so the, you know, the living weapons weapons kind of felt like, okay, you're playing it as an equipment and it can kind of do something before you equip it. These feel more like it's a creature that has an ability and when it dies, you get an equipment mm. is kind of how I'm looking at yep. them. Exactly. That's exactly. We're seeing them like statted like creatures. Yeah, no, you, you, you hit it dead on the head. Yeah, I'm not too excited for, for Mirrodin. It feels yeah. like something like uh, an afterthought from the Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. You know, it's like mm. something that you just kind of slapped on a card. It's like, hey, we got this type of effect. Let's just give it a name. Okay. I'm, I'm keeping my eye on it. I don't love the name, uh, but I do think that we're slowly getting better and better equipment cards mm-hmm. and that I'm interested to see if, you know, there is a way to put something together that's equipment-based. If and, anything, you know I mean? I'm so excited the fact that Fermirden is the name of it because it is an exclamation point, and I can't wait to, at my pre-release, hear someone yell for Mirrodin as they, like, yes. equip some tut- some dorky <laughs> artifact to a tutu. But I do think that this mechanic it's... is really hard to get excited about. Any equipment is really hard to get excited about for me, yeah. personally, because of Karn the Great Creator's prevalence in Pioneer currently. Mm. However... It is like a good stepping stone or a good start to try to like build towards something yeah. when the Karn Gray Creator card gets banned and the format's actually yeah. open again. There we go. That'll be great. Yeah. Um, uh, did you guys want to talk about Phyrexian uh, Monarchs? Yes. That is another of one. Of course. That's that what I want to talk about. Yeah. Cause... Uh, all right. So we are seeing some of these completed Planeswalkers, which we've seen in the past. We have five of them in this set. And there are a few cards that are using Phyrexian Mana. I don't believe I've seen any with them in the Mana cost. Nope but I've seen them in the ability mm. costs. Is that what you've seen yeah. as yeah. well? So in the in the, in the the same stream where they were spoiling all of the other cards and talking about the set mechanics, they said that they wanted to try to challenge themselves by not putting it on cards, but more so on activated abilities. Because we've seen in the past, especially with new Phyrexia, how Phyrexian Man ended up working out. A little bit too powerful on spells, on cheap spells. Hmm, yeah, uh, a little, little bit. bit. It's a little bit. But now we're seeing it on uh, more activated abilities and planeswalkers with the completed uh, text line. And I think that's a lot, uh, a very, very, very different and a very much more toned down, suitable power level for Pioneer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was worried that maybe what would happen with you know too much Phyrexian mana in the mana cost is that you get those kind of like Death Shadow type decks. So we have what Skyclave, uh, forgot its name. Um, Scourge of the Skyclaves. Yeah, Scourge of the Skyclaves. It does like what half half of the opponent's the life or something. On, but yeah. you got to kick it for five mana. But yeah, to kick it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, uh, it has power and toughness equal to. Uh, your your life total the difference the highest life, life total the highest life total so if your opponent's at twenty it is a zero zero oh so it's damage so if okay. if if they're at nineteen it's a one one if they're at what? two uh, 
you, you get the point. And it's if either of you are. Didn't, so if you're still at full life, then you can't. Uh, didn't Streets take of, New, of it. New Capenna also have one that was like a thirteen thirteen? That's Shadow, Shadow Mortality. Mortality. Yeah, and that card is like fifteen is, mana or something. <laughs> yeah, thirteen black black reduces for your own life total. But now we're playing a card that costs a lot of. It's gonna take forever. Yeah, yeah. But still, you never know. There could be some deck that uh, wants to uh, hurt themselves. I mean, I can think of plenty of decks that want to hurt themselves, but none of them exist in Pioneer, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, what do we think about Frexian Mana? Do we think that it's going to end up like making its way into Pioneer? Because I do think, personally, the p- completed Planeswalkers are super hit or miss. They're either really, really mm. exciting or really, really awful. And I think that the activated abilities that we are seeing these cards on are actually quite interesting and very hard to gauge. Yeah, I'm waiting for them to push one of the completed Planeswalkers a little bit more. Um, but I do think that some of the ones with activated abilities should see play. You know, I don't think anything can be built around them, but I think that some of the raw cards will be powerful enough. I wonder if we'll get a completed Eldrazi in the future. I would love that. I, I am the Eldrazi boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's one more thing you guys probably didn't even consider to put on the mechanics list, and I want to talk about Affinity. There's one card. Mm. Um, this is the first Affinity card in the format, uh, just in, yeah, well, in Pioneer in general. Um, there is the, what's the red card's name? Uh, it's like a 7-5 Trampler. Uh, there we go. Oxida Finisher. It's a 7-5. It has Affinity for Equipment which means that for every equipment you have, uh, its mana cost becomes one less. So it's a, it's actually five colorless and uh, two red. So if you have five equipment, it comes in as a 7-5 trampler for two mana. And I know that's asking a lot, but I, this is definitely not playable. I'm just saying that right now. It's not a playable card. But the fact that they are testing affinity, possibly a fixed affinity, not for all artifacts, but like, hey, maybe they'll just do it mm. for equipment, or maybe they'll just do it for non, non-creature non artifacts, or maybe there'll be one for for just creature, you know, uh, artifact creatures, or vehicles. I think that is or interesting. Or something cool. Yeah, yeah, just having affinity for something else, I think, is a really cool idea, and I'm looking forward to seeing this more in the future. I got bad news for you. Yeah? It's not the only affinity card that exists in Pioneer. Is there another one? It is, there is another oh, one, and it's from Oros, War of the Spark. Right? There is it's another from one. War of the yes, Spark. there is an affinity card. In no, it's from War of the Spark. It's uh, it's the uh, uh, Tezzeret. It's affinity for uh, your creatures can, or your, your totally cards gain forgot. affinity for uh, artifacts or creatures and planeswalkers or whatever. Totally yep. forgot about that. Now, it is funny. There's also a card in this set that has a pseudo affinity that's not called affinity. It's like it costs one less for each oil counter among creatures you control, but they I mean, couldn't we've, do affinity for oil counters because it wouldn't work. Yeah. We, we've also had. Um, I mean, I guess you can kind of call it affinity as well, but like the uh, spells that cost less for each instant is worse from your graveyard. Sure, yeah. There's definitely, you know, mono-reducing abilities has been a thing for some time. Um, you know, maybe if I'm going to call out one more mechanic, sort of, is that, I don't know if you noticed it, but they put flashback on a card mm-hmm. that just, just throwing it on there, not even as a set mechanic, it's just a, um, I guess that's, what is the word evergreen. for it? Deciduous now? Uh, it's, uh, it's an evergreen thing that they can like put in anything now. Same with like put wherever. Uh, surveil, I think, is another one now. Yep. So here, okay, random uh, fringe deck idea. We have n- not metalcraft, but uh, affinity plus the uh, 
the one from Kaladesh, uh, where you can like tap a, an artifact, I think. Improvise? Yeah. Improvise or something like that. Have that type of deck together. There we I go. I saw the, the, there's a card that got spoiled in the set that makes everything an artifact that you control. And I saw someone trying to like brew around that deck with like Tezzerat and all these like huh. control cards. <laughs> and then I, I told him that card in the Great Creator exists in the format and he stopped. Yeah. To see the... Now, I believe that one doesn't make your lands into no. artifacts, which makes it a little bit less bad against Karn, but yeah, just uh, that won't nope. work. That won't Sad work right now. See the happiness drain out of their eyes. Oh, yeah. All right, so you were completely right, Ryan. You saved us a nice 20 minutes because I'd have gone through the same spiel about all of mm-hmm. the mechanics, all of the uh, you know the cool things going on in this set before we even talk about any specific cards next week. Instead, we did that this week, yeah. and uh, we're ahead of the curve here, but I still kind of want to talk about a couple yeah. of them. The, you know, the fun cards that were Fair spoiled. Enough. So how do you guys feel about moving on to some specific cards from Phyrexia or will be one? Yes. I would love to. Yeah, now we, we got to talk oh, about yeah, the lands yeah. first. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we, we alluded to it um, in, a, in a previous, you know, podcast. But, you know, I think we should just go through again real quick. You know, these are definitely going to be... That's right. They're printing the spheres. The, the spheres. spheres. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, the, the Fastlands... Yeah, those, yeah the, those are all going to have the biggest The fast lands are all coming in, and I, I think the biggest changes we're going to see is just uh, overall creature decks, like the, the low-to-the-ground creature decks are going to have such a better mana base, and it's mm-hmm. going to be really exciting for the format. Does it unlock anything yeah. new? Probably not, but it does make decks a lot more consistent, so those colors yeah. are now on par with the other colors. I, I'm excited to think that... Uh, Blue, white, and soul is going to be playable, and then think of that Karn's still in the format, and then just forget about it. That's nope. what I'm most excited about. You know what? I I think maybe we're overselling the Karn factor. Like I think that for a while people were just like, "Oh, I'm not going to play Lotus Field because Karn's in the format. He's going to grab a hate card, and it'll be over." And we saw a big resurgence of Lotus Field in the end of this season because people tried it, and they're like, "Hey, you know, it's." only this piece of the field it's only going to see that many you know it's not going to show up in every single one of their hands mm-hmm. we might be overselling the fact that karn is you know dampening things on everyone and you know a little bit of pun yeah. there because that's the card they were looking for to hurt uh, lotus field but don't totally sell yourself short if you think that hey blue white and soul is in a great spot against every deck but karn mm-hmm. you might be able to just go spike a tournament with that so you know don't, don't completely excel okay. it off just because well, of one answer it will be it. good for for spirits for sure the secret coast secret coast will be really good for spirits it will also be really good for soldiers if that gets unlocked with this or any human based strategies that we've seen so, exist in the past or like bant company that has existed in the past could we see yeah i was gonna say bant company could be we have razor verge thicket as well you know we don't other than angels i can't think of any other deck that would use uh green white right now uh, because razor, you know mono white humans razor verge thicket will easily slot into like into, bent. It, into bogles bogles is the deck that wants oh that yeah auras the yeah. auras deck he had such an atrocious mana base and then they got yeah, brushland yeah, yeah. but then we kind of realized that like the bogles deck is still like pretty bad but it's still mm-hmm. something yeah. that like not a lot of people expect and not a lot of people prepare for so it's definitely one of those decks that we've even seen at the rc's come and spike a random tournament Mm-hmm. And I think it still has the option to, and Razorbridge Thicket really unlocks that deck because the problem was is the mana base sucked. It sucked real bad. You were yeah. playing mana confluences, yes, rush so lands, painful. and you were so you were just dying quickly. 
So yeah, I, uh, to to your point that you made, Ryan, I do think that you know I definitely think that's great for decks that are two color like that Auras deck. Um, I think that three color decks don't get quite as excited. Like I feel like a shock mono base is still going to be more so the core mm-hmm. of one of those decks. Um, you know, you don't want to be running like twelve of these tap you know, of these uh, fast lands because they are going to enter tapped much more of the time if you're doing that. Um, so I think that three color decks kind of had some options or were forced into some other options already. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is definitely what like for two color aggressive decks. This is a big, big improvement, huge improvement. And I think what we're going to end up seeing is even in like a lot more, unless it's like the really, really, really slow strategies that end up using like the crimson vow lands. We'll see it a lot more in these mid-range decks, too. They'll end up cutting uh, cards like Brushland and those Pain Lands that we just got. I know, mm-hmm. fancy new toys. You probably bought your Full Arts. You probably bought your Foils. Sorry to hate to break it to you. Those cards aren't going to see play anymore. Hope you enjoyed them while they were there. Uh, we're going to see Fast Lands really replace a lot of these like Pain Lands due to the fact that sometimes coming in tapped past turn three is like such a big struggle for a lot of these decks. And uh, But, however, taking... like. I would say on average three to four or two to three damage in a game over those mm. lands just isn't worth it. Mm. I'm really okay. I was gonna say another one I'm really happy for is Copperline Gorge because I'm a Bard class player and I need to have that either mana untapped early on in the game. So I'll be getting rid of those uh, Shadows of Innistrad land. Do you that think I had in that there? there is another deck that's gruel that's aggressive that really wants the Copperline Gorge card? I can't think of one. Atarka Red? <laughs> hmm, I think it might have some boats in it. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Boat, yeah. boat, 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 boat. Yeah, Stompy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Stompy, I mean, Stompy will replace it. Yeah, there's there's some... And, and I think it's really important for a deck like Red Green Vehicles because they do have some dip, more difficult mono requirements when they're running things like Muta Vault, but still running you know double green, double red yeah, requirements sometimes. Because some, some decks are playing like the um, uh, Werewolf Pack Leader, for example. Oh man, we should make an episode on that. Oh, we, yeah, <laughs> coming coming last week. Coming soon. Yeah, very soon. <laughs> uh, what about Blackleaf Cliffs and Dark Slick Shores? Dark Slick Shores. Where do you guys see those uh, fitting into the Pioneer format? Uh, I don't think we'll see Dark Slick Shores sadly slot in anywhere. We don't really see a lot of like these red or sorry these blue black aggressive decks. I think maybe okay, and this is a big maybe because I know there's someone that goes into Doomwake Stream and every donation deck Thursday they request rogues. And so I think we'll yeah. end up seeing a lot more of the rogue strategy, just incorporate that card. But sadly, it mm-hmm. won't play anywhere else. But Blackleaf Cliffs will see a lot of play in the mid-range sacrifice strategies. Sorry, my dogs are working. Um, and the uh, red-black mid-range strategy. Okay. What, what do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I think that's, that's legit. Um, yeah, and I kind of agree about the red black. You know, not really need, being needed in the red black mid range too much. Like they've got good mana at this point. Um, I, I didn't even think that the, you know, the pain land would have a big impact, and it it did show up. I think more than I thought it would. Uh, but I, th- I think that there's not like major improvements that need to be made on that deck's mana. Um, black leaf cliffs. I mean, will that help out decks like? Uh... Uh, what do you call it? like sacrifice or something that's more yeah low yeah to the I think I think it would it would help more for stuff like sacrifice or like you know you could try red black um you know dread horde archimist or something yeah. like that yeah those really because like w- what we see with the difference between red black midrange and red black sacrifice being is you really do see the curve stop at three mana for mayhem devil and carry zev's expertise is i think the other three mana card in that deck mm-hmm. i don't think we see the deck curve go any higher than that however in red black midrange we do see cards like shieldred 
that exist and like a lot more uh format of cards that do end up seeing play mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like chandra's your sorens your Kalidas's, whatever whatever meta choices you end up picking which yeah, could so end you... up being a lot more relevant so maybe we don't see it in the red black deck exactly but i do think in recto sacrifice it's a no-brainer to put four black leaf glove in the deck yeah yeah and i think that's great that's just, it's so great I'm, I'm really hoping this also kind of reduces some of the the price pressure that we have on some cards. Maybe you guys don't feel it so much over in North America, but the um, Shadows of Innerstrad lands are insanely expensive, especially like the black red one. It's like $16 or $15. Yeah, we sadly don't see that here. You know, because everybody's playing Rakdos. Yeah, we don't see that here, especially because we have... um, the Commander, Warhammer, I want to say 4,000, I think is what it's called. Uh, Forbidden mm-hmm. Ruins was in that. It was in one of the other precons from... I you think said Forbidden Ruins? No. I'm Forbidden not thinking Ruins, Forbidden the, Ruins. The Shadow of Innistrad Reveal Land, right? That's what you said? Sorry, what, sorry, sorry, not Shadow of Innistrad. The new one, Midnight Hunt, sorry. Oh, oh. The Midnight Hunt one. Uh, the one, the... Uh, some, uh, it's, the, it's, Haunted the Ridge? it's the It's the Slow Lands. I call them the Nasif Lands. Yeah, Haunted Ridge is the Haunted Ridge. Yeah. But yeah, that one's expensive. Those are expensive. All the stuff. Um, all of those are really expensive, so these are very welcome. And, and you know, like I said, hopefully the mid-range decks will still play those. You know, like your uh, decks with like Shieldred and stuff like that. But the aggro decks don't have to spend so much. You know, you can just, you know, get your fast lands, get your pain lands, and get your shock lands, and you're good. Well, you get your pathways as well, so that should be more than enough. Yeah, we'll see. A, we'll see a lot more of like a less painful mana base th- throughout a lot of decks, and I think that's gonna both really help out aggressive strategies and hinder mm-hmm. them, which will be really, it'll be really cool to see all the format ends up uh, going Speaking out. I don't, think, I don't think we'll strategies. see anything like new awaken. However, I do think mm-hmm. we'll see like a lot more consistency within decks. So speaking of aggressive decks, um, I wanted to start off with my hot take um, as for a card that I think is going to have the biggest impact. So we're going to do some of these this week, or like our big impact cards this week. And like next week we'll do like our jank and our fun stuff and, you know, you know, sideboard stuff. But today, big impact cards. And I'm going to say one of the biggest impact cards for the set is going to be Phyrexian Obliterator. Tell me, sir, if you are going to play a green, uh, green, uh, red boat deck, how do you beat Phyrexian Obliterator? Easily. You fly over it. With a six mana boat. Okay, if you don't have that six mana boat, how do you beat a Phyrexian Obliterator? Sure. So we see one <laughs> matchup where we see a Phyrexian Obliterator absolutely shine. You can't attack through it. It's really difficult. However, I think the thing that you're forgetting about is a majority Ooh. of the format does not care about Phyrexian Obliterator. It just, it will not, it just doesn't impact enough of the matchups. I think what we're going to end up seeing is because like, so let's let's talk aggressive decks where a Phyrexian Obliterator would shine. Uh, two of the best aggressive decks that we do see are angels and we see spirits it would be yeah those would break be good to you against it. both of those fly <laughs> okay can, can i give you an also another answer for how red green boats beats flexian obliterator obliterator yeah phyrexian obliterator yep. <laughs> how is um a, a crowan what is a it called? Crow and war. Yeah, it. just makes it deal five damage to itself killing it and making them sacrifice for so i think the question uh, for you is how how are they going to beat their crow and war but see, wait, you attack. It's creatures that are tapped to deal damage to yourself, and you attack with it, right? Yep. So you, they're not going to get it back, right? They're going to get back tapped. Well, I'm you saying in a boat. you don't take control of it. Okay. So I yeah. guess they have to feed, play Feed the Swarm against the Crone War. Ah, we're back to the Okay, well, I, 
Okay, will will this card affect uh, mono green matchups? You know, if you see a uh, black player, I mean, how does how does mono green beat uh, aligned Hedronite? Yeah, there is the artifact only... cards in the board that can target this card if it ever does become relevant. However, how oh. I see a Frexen Obliterator is there was a deck that was like floating around for a little bit. Uh, it was like a mono black mid range strategy that just had like um and four invoke despair. I think that we're mm. going to end up oh, yeah. seeing Frexen Obliterator in the sideboard of that deck, just because it does really shine in those low-to-the-ground creature-based decks. But I mm. don't even... I don't. I might not even think it sees play there, because as we can see currently, a lot of these decks just don't really care about Frexen Obliterator. Like, I, mm. I, I really... I had a friend suggest it for this episode to try to talk about, and I, like, looked through all the metagames, and I'm like, okay, let's try to find a matchup where this really shines. I really couldn't. I tried my best. It just, mm, it okay. does. I, I think it's a sadly another Liliana the Veil in the format where it's a card that people love. They have fond memories of it because this thing in the past. However, modern day magic has just scaled past the card. Ooh, ooh I just thought of another good place to put it. Some kind of fight club type, type deck, maybe with, uh, you know, the, the green, the green black um, thing with the, uh, you put a plus one plus one counter, the fight rigging. Yeah. Yeah. But with Putting actual fight cards it. in there encounters on it would be cute but i think i think if you're playing frex and obliterate in any deck that isn't base black i think it's gonna be really difficult to try to cast on turn four yeah yeah we don't we don't sadly have elves yeah. of the deep shadow to try to help us out i just want to fight stuff i just want to like you know you're gonna fight my my obliterator and it's gonna obliterate you. believe me i want that card to be so good i want it to be so good it's <laughs> such a fun card to try to just absolutely cheese your opponent with but it's just it sadly isn't and it's so okay. sad well that was my hot take do you guys want to share your hot takes like what you think will have an impact on the pioneer format uh you can go for it first uh sure yeah i can, I can jump on one of them um, so I, I'm not 100% on all of these, but Bloated Contaminator is a card that I'm kind of excited about when it got spoiled. Uh, this is a creature for green that's not a card specifically for like the one in good green deck in the format right now. Uh, and that, that's exciting for me. So this is the three mana 4-4. Four, four. It's one and two. It's one green and two for 4-4 four, four, Phyrexian Beast with Trample and Toxic. And when it deals damage, combat damage to a player, proliferate. So... The thing that people probably looked at is like, oh, you know, it's toxic one, but when it proliferates, that's really toxic two. So that's kind of cool. Um, I think that's kind of cool, but it's also not really important. Like, yes, toxic two is okay, but that's five hits to kill. A four four is also five hits to kill. It might not matter. Um, what I'm much more excited about this card for is that it is good with planeswalkers and it's good with more aggressive planeswalkers. Things like Vivian is the biggest thing that comes to mind. Like you could go, you know, turn one elf. Turn two, play this. Turn three, play a Vivian. Give a counter to each of them. Mm -hmm. Attack with this. Now it's a 5-5. Five, five. It'll become a 6-6. Six, six. Make your elf into a 3-3. Three, three. Make your Vivian, you know, give the Vivian another loyalty counter. Uh, I think that that works really well with some cool things that have been kind of on the back burner in mono green. So I'm really excited to play with this card and see what it could do with like a, you know, green planeswalkers, green scales kind of deck. Mm -hmm. That's not the like Karn ramp deck. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I think it'll be good. It's got a good body. Um, it's got a good ability. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think this will definitely be playable. See, I also think it's going to be playable, but I think you and I have very different ideas on how we wanted to build this. I was hoping that you guys wouldn't notice that this card was really good, and so I could talk about hmm. it next week as like a really exciting thing, because then I could actually <laughs> like see the entire set, brew a deck around it, and try to like present it to you guys, but you guys found out it was broken. So uh, I think the card is broken because 
there's two different types of hardened scale strategies that I did want to try out with this deck, and I want to see how it would work out. Uh, the first one would be like the the best play that I think could possibly be made with this card is turn one elf, turn two the four four, uh, turn three either Rishkar, this is a voice of Zenikar, um, mm -hmm. something along those lines, and you you would just see like it instantly proliferate the card and just absolutely all the counters. The other archetype that I was thinking of is the hardened scales deck, but with a more artifact instead of the elves. So we see mm. cards like okay. um, uh, it's the it's the two mana one one with ward. Whenever an artifact you cast it, it gets a one one counter. Uh, Hangerback Walker, Stone Coil Serpent. Uh, there's just a lot of like incidental one one counters in that deck already, and just being able to have another card that's just a really good overstated beater to that then helps out your cards like Hangerback Walker because you can go turn three bloated a bloated card, turn four you cast a uh, Hangerback Walker for two or mm -hmm. uh, a Stone Call for four, and now it's a 5-5. Five five. And whatever you cast the turn before, which is like the two mana 1-1 one, one with Ward, now that's also bigger, because it had a counter on it mm. from the Hangerback Walker. Woo, we broke magic. Hmm. Okay, but don't play Hangerback Walker, because I think that card's just still going to be too slow huh. for Pioneer. You obviously haven't blocked a Frex and Obliterator. That card blocks for days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, so that was yours, Kevin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loaded. Uh -huh. So what about what about you, Ash yeah. Jack? Do you have uh, a hot take you want to talk about, or you know just what? a regular one? I'll talk. I'll, I'll have a hot take. I don't know if it is a hot take anymore because like turns out when I started talking to other people about it, they also agreed it's kind of cool. But I'm calling this card Mother of My or sorry Might of uh, Might of Runes instead of Mother of Runes because ha 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 huh. I'm funny. Um, but the card is uh, Skirvel Defector Might. Um, um, uh, it is a one one that uh, is a legendary Might with Toxic One and it cannot block. However, for one Phyrexian mana, you can tap it, choose a color, another target creature you control gains Toxic 1 and Hexproof until end of turn. It cannot be blocked by creatures of that color this turn. Now, this has like a pseudo Mother of Runes effect where we can just see it try to blank a lot of creatures and it can also get in for damage, like try to like make, sorry, make another creature get in for damage. I personally don't really care about this Toxic 1 can't block thing because all it's going to be doing is protecting my other more important creatures. Where this could see play... Uh, there's a lot of already mono white or sorry, uh, white decks that are aggressive and creature based. And this being like a sideboard option to try to blank removal or get in for damage against monocolor decks just seems like a no brainer to pick. I'm, I almost want to go as far as like, I think a hot take of mine would be to call this card a trap. I think that this card could be good, but I also think that there's, a lot of little things that make it worse than it looks like, like having a mother of runes be able to, you know, sit back and block something is a kind of a big deal, especially when this paying, you know, the, the fact that this will cost you two life a lot of the time when you activate it is means that it's real you know, doubly bad on the defense. And I think that those two things together could really add up that like, if you're sitting back with this, holding it up to activate it, and it can never just be a chump blocker, that's a big downside. Where I'm kind of into this, I think the, you know, a lot of text on this card, the the, the singular word that I'm maybe most interested in is artifact. Um, this doesn't have any creature types that I care about. So, you know, if it were a human, I think it could have a home right away. But being an artifact, I think it might be able to find a home that way. You know, Ryan was just talking about wanting to look at blue, white, and soul mm -hmm. or something similar. You were just talking about green, white uh, artifacts. That could be more interesting but as far as like being a just a white aggressive creature, I just feel like I would much rather play Brave the Elements if I could. Like the fact that it you know gets everything through, the fact that it is better protection, doesn't just sit there and do nothing. 
I wonder. I'm not going to go so. Like, I kind of want to be like, oh, this card's bad, and that's my hot take. But I, I want to try this card out. But I think that there's some things on it that are going to make it harder to evaluate than it, it appears. I wonder if this could maybe find a place in like the uh, the Auras decks, you know, that because they're playing that with the Elsied or the Elsied, uh, yeah, the the dog that you can sacrifice and stuff like selfless that. savior, hmm. selfless savior, good the good boy, yeah. Uh, um, you know, just just maybe getting rid of one of those, switching it around a little bit. It it's still. I guess the big thing with this is like if you get rid of the dog and put this in there instead, you'll get the bonus from uh, all that glitters because it's artifacts and enchantments, right? Ooh, that's true. It does. It would trigger all the glitters. It also, you know, the unblockable there is a big deal for uh, you know that kind of deck just kind of wants to go big. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. and it also so it also gains hexproof, which is the bigger thing instead of something mm-hmm. like protection. So it doesn't like make all your white enchantments fall off, which we've seen from players yeah. that don't know how that exactly if that mm-hmm. interaction mm-hmm. works. Um, yeah. the, the other thing I want to quickly mention about this card is it, it is just such, it's so good at just pushing damage constantly. And so mm-hmm. if you're, if I, I personally wouldn't think about worrying about the two life as much, cause you're not really, if you're using this card to defense, you're using the card wrong in my opinion. I think I mean, you just want to be constantly aggressive attacking with this card. Yeah. Or, or has some life gain too, right? Oh, they have. Um, yeah, playing, they have a bunch if you're playing the the bants or the 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 blue green, right? You have like the thing, the unflinching courage or whatever trample. Oh, uh, that card is that card, so actually. old. Oh my lord! Yeah. You just threw a throwback. I was thinking more so the the black card, the hateful idolon. That just has life. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um. So okay, that's where I see. I think that's a good card. I think it's it, it definitely could see some play. Um. Should we go back to me? My next choice. Yeah, go for it. Always. What do I actually want to talk about here? Um, I already talked about my big one. Okay, Ossification. I'm kind of excited that White's actually getting a uh, kind of like a, I would say, upgraded Chain to the Rocks. Uh, It's one in a white aura, and you can only enchant basic lands. And, uh, you know, that's fine for a two-color deck, I think. Uh, Or one color, if you're playing that. Uh, but it says when it enters the battlefield, you can exile a creature or planeswalker and opponent controls until ossification leaves the battlefield. I remember, you know, I used to play, what was the, I'm trying to think, what was the, uh, two mana card that exiled, uh, stuff, uh, the, the aura. Gotta give you a little bit more. I'm I'm trying my best. Tarkir. There's like like silk wrap that exists, but that's not an aura. That's not an aura. But like that type of stuff. Um, it used to only hit like three uh, CMC, Soulcraft did uh, or less. CMC. That 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 type, those types of cards. I feel like we've seen a lot of those, and this is kind of just so much better. And being able to hit planeswalkers is huge, mm-hmm. and, and you know, again, being an aura, again, this could definitely help the auras. Uh, you know, because it counts uh, as an aura there, or it could, you know, I don't know, four color Omnath. Uh, enigmatic i i don't know but it's just another answer another great toolbox card yeah yeah i i do think it's gonna see play where i can't point my finger on i think that the control decks kind of want this but they already don't run a lot of basics and they can't really afford to run a lot of basics uh i think the magnetic incarnation deck i think i only run one basic yeah, i think if you're yeah, playing no, the fable in that then. if you're playing the yeah. fable version maybe maybe <laughs> there but i think the deck that yeah. like has been on my radar that i've been like it's it's been like tier three strategy for a little bit and i've been like kind of interested in it um is the mono white yorion deck 
and I think this slots in Ooh. perfectly there. Because they used to play yeah. Chain of the Rocks. They used to slash red for Chain of the Rocks and Fable. Uh -huh. But now they don't really have to if they don't want to. And there's a lot more of a space that can be explored. We can try to revisit the old strategy of just like Arcanist Owl, try to find these cards. And like the old Mono White Heliod style strategy. I think that's where I'm kind of like a little bit more interested in that mm. card. Um, okay. But sadly, I don't okay. think anywhere else. I like that deck, so I'm down for that. I can think like maybe the White Black... Um, like a white black mid-range deck i don't know i think there's this card yeah. is obviously very powerful but i just don't think it has a home right now sadly okay all right but so my comment on this card is can i be the first one to call it ossification yeah OC. go for it <laughs> okay That's um it. yeah so uh kevin or Ashak, what's, I, your next? Um, what's your next i got a hot take one i'm ready to talk like... about one already i'm already so ready uh then, yeah, go, go ahead right. for it then. We're going to talk about my boy. We're going to talk about the first Planeswalker in this set. And it's my favorite by far. It is not close. Uh, it's Tyvar, Jubilant Brawler for one black and a green. It starts off at three loyalty and it has the the text, like the War of the Spark Planeswalker's text. Uh, you may activate abilities of creatures as though they those creatures had haste. Plus hmm. one, untap up to one target creature. Minus two, mill three cards. Then you may return a creature card with CMC two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield now everyone automatically thought elves with this card because he is an elves planeswalker uh you get to turn your matadorics quickly into quickly uh, dump them all in from your hand no you know where this card's gonna see a lot of play i i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready ooh, for this take to be ooh. wrong i'm ready for this take to be wrong but vanifar i think vanifar's coming back boys Oh, uh, uh, okay. I think Vanifar's coming back. <laughs> I think we're going to see Vanifar come back. Because being able to haste a Vanifar is insane. Oh my god, that, that just solves so many problems with that deck. Uh, unless you blink the Vanifar and still uses that turn, and it does grab the two-drop. Uh, corridor monitor, it also untaps it if you... You did it two times, it, right? If you attack. didn't have it, uh, if you didn't have the combo exactly. I think this card just like slots so perfectly into Vanifar combo. And that might actually make it like a competitive deck, which I'm so excited about because the only combo deck that we've ever had in this format for the longest time outside of mono green, which I don't even know if I can call that a combo deck. Yeah, that just a fair aggressive strategy or sorry, a fair overtop strategy that just has a combo kill was Lotus Field. And that deck was oh. diarrhea to play. It was so boring. <laughs> All you do was untap your lands. Cool. You drew a bunch of cards. Vanifar, though, is like a toolbox strategy that's just yeah, a lot more yeah. interesting to play. And it makes me so much more excited for this card. I like that idea a lot. I, I can get behind uh, the, uh, the the Tivar. Tivar is it's so, be so good. You, you had me thinking there when you were like, oh, guess what this card can bring back? I was like, what two drop do we want? What do we want to mill cards for? And I was like, oh, Rally the Ancestors. We're going to bring back a Priest of the... Uh, what is it? Priest of Forgotten oh, Gods yeah. and activate it right away. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's where you're going. No, for, sadly but not. But that was could. something that was brought up at some point. I, I did have people try to try to mention that you were able to like use the sacrifice strategy with this card. I was less sold on mm. that because that doesn't exactly win the game when you cast the card. This wins the game. Vanifar wins the game when you cast <laughs> the card. That deck's not in black though. Currently, it is, is it? not currently in black. It was mainly a five color strategy that tried to like balance it with mm. like, triumphs and. All sorts of random things, but hmm. we, it is yeah. I like the kind of Bant version we saw, though. Like, what are we calling it? A Swedish Vanifar? Yeah, or yeah. Like I think that one also had red. I think it was Bant red because it had to run some red creatures for the combo or something. I forget exactly the deck list how it looked, but I think a five color mana base for the Vanifar deck. I think its weakness is obviously going to be a lot more like aggro because it's going to be punishing because we're going to be running cards like Mana Confluence and 
a little bit more slower lands to be able to try to make it work but it's i promise you there is something here there has to be something with this card i am so excited for it could we also maybe play this in a bull citadel deck we may not. No, uh, uh, yeah, maybe. You could, but, you could, uh, but you'd be dying pretty quick. That's the that's the that's the same argument of Priest of the Forgotten Gods, but mm-hmm. uh, eh, I mean, probably eh, the same deck as Priest eh, of yeah, Forgotten yeah, Gods. Yeah, same deck. That was that that was the style. Like that was the cards that you would end up running in that deck, and I think that's just okay. not it. Yeah, I, I like this card. It'll be I'm fun just to saying, play with. Vanifar. I will talk about Vanifar. <laughs> I already got convinced to buy a playset. Somebody just told me about that, and I was like, "Oh my god, you're so right! I'm so happy." <laughs> all right well kevin you want to move us on to your next choice um i seem to only be liking the green cards here can i just steal somebody's and pick a nissa Go for it, steal it that was mine I-, I think it's an interesting card i don't know if i can talk a lot to it because it's one of those things that i think will need some testing and i don't think it has so i should probably write it off because i don't think it has an obvious home but i think it's a cool card it's like the seven mana nissa that can be as low as a five mana um so it's either five mana for a three loyalty Six mana for a five loyalty or seven mana for a seven loyalty. It pluses one makes an XX where X is its loyalty. Uh, it minus one destroys an artifact or enchantment. Or and it can minus seven to give creatures you control plus one plus one for each forest you control. Um, so it could just come down if you have like, you know, seven, eight forests and be, oh, plus eight, eight plus eight to my entire board mm. and trample yeah. and just kill you. Um, or it can be, you know, a five mana walker that creates a, you know, a four, four, a five, five, you know, a decent sized creature each turn. And I think that the flexibility of those two, plus being able to take out any artifact enchantment, um, there is some raw power here that I don't think has a home, but I think is a card worth calling out. I will be trying this card. This is like, has like all the best effects from like every Nissa. Yeah. You know, it's like, like we had the XX or the Ashia, you know, uh, token maker, I think from... An origins or something like that, and then oh. destroy, destroy target artifact enchantment. I guess that's kind of like more like the that was Vivian, a Vivian thing, which, yeah. yeah, but just still really good to have on uh, on this side, I think. And then yeah, the the plus one plus one trample for forest. Damn, that is a good effect. That's yeah, basically like, yeah, that that's basically like if you want to play that in elves, that's like your elf ball deck. You play this instead of playing uh, crater hoof, you know, in pioneer. I always have to shout it out whenever somebody mentions Nissa Vastwood Seer is I think it's the funniest thing that that Nissa's ult doesn't end at the end of turn. Uh, and I think that that is the most trinket text ever because I feel like it's never, ever come up. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even know that. What's the ult? <laughs> uh, it makes like six of your lands into six, six creatures and untaps them. So it like it always kills your opponent, yeah. but it, it, it doesn't end at the end of turn. They're just always six mm-hmm, sixes mm-hmm. <laughs> in case that matters. No. I just want you to know that extension of it exists now, so it's kind of rough yeah. for the six sixes, poor guy. But I do think that Nissa's Ascended uh, Animist is like one of those cards that just has such a raw potential that you mm-hmm. just can't ignore this card. You just like mm-hmm. at, at every point, like we can see, like I think nowadays more than anything, destroy target artifact or enchantment has been the most relevant text on like any like I, w- I would say relevant flavor text. Just things, things uh, sorry, a text that they just add on to cards, just randomly at the mm-hmm. last second by the looks of it. And I think that's something that's a lot more important yeah. nowadays, now that we're seeing a lot more removal spells based around enchantments that are popular in the format, like Leyline Binding, even Ossification maybe, Chain mm-hmm. to the Rocks. We see a lot more get your creatures back. And so we have to try to think, where where would this card fit? Well, it doesn't fit in Mono Green, sadly, because Storm of the Festival does not hit it. Um, if we see a Karn Band, pray. Um, 
Nissa becomes a lot more powerful because it, it is a really good card in the Stompy version that'll end up being the replacement for it. Um, I think that this card will end up seeing uh, some amount. I, I'll be testing it in some ramp strategies just to see that maybe it's really good because like you can uh, how quick how consistently I was able to get to like seven mana with uh, certain decks or. I think mm. there's just there has to is be. Is it a worth mentioning that you know this is a five drop that adds four green loyalty? It does. It, it Nykthos does love this card. Um. Okay. So next card is it your turn? It's actually your turn. Actually, I think it's back to you. Is it back to me? Okay. Well, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go with mommy. Um. Mom's a good I one. think mommy will have a, a big uh, impact on this. So Elshinorn, mother of machines, uh, four and a white. She's a four seven. Uh, Vigilance, and uh, well, this is the first time we get a Torpor or effect, Orb effect, I think, in Pioneer. We've had stuff that stops creature uh, uh, abilities. We've had stuff that, uh, how can I say, uh, maybe stops, I'm thinking just only creature, like dying and, yeah. and coming into the battle effect, field effects. Like yeah, Hushbringer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've only seen like Hushbringer. We've, and like Grafdigger's Cage for like death. Yeah. Or sorry, recipes for like death triggers or, or like, sorry, not just yeah. any yeah. like into but, the battlefield effects like that. But this one has permanents entering the battlefield don't cause abilities of permanents your opponents control to trigger. So it's a one-sided Torpor Orb. None of their ETB effects uh, uh, trigger anything. And also... Uh, if a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of permanent you control trigger, you get it uh, an additional time. So it's Panaharmonican and Torpor Orb all in one. Um, I think this could really give some deck headaches, especially, I don't know if you can Vanifar into this or if you, you know, can cheat it into play, you know, e easily or something like that. It could be a big headache for some, some matchups. Uh, there is a deck that can easily cheat this into play. There is a deck that on turn four wants to cast a card called Fires of Invention. And uh -huh. then there's a card that they also want to cast on the same turn. It's called Ignetic Incarnation. Yeah. And so now we just put Elish Nord on to play on turn four. And mm -hmm. every single card that's relevant in that deck says enter the battlefield. Like your Chain of the Rocks, two targets. Your Leyline Bindings, two targets. Yep. Yep. I, you Nasty. just you just snap the board. I have also your new attraction. I have also learned that now <laughs> this card, if one is in play on both sides, an enchanted an enchantee's player now can never remove it, which is just really funny. Currently with the current builds, because like it nullifies both sides, you don't get anything, which is just so funny to me. But I do think that this card is easily going to stop a lot of like removal spells that we do see in the format, like even ossification. This card shuts down no. ossification. No, no, our new card, it's gone. Or it doubles ossification, it but I don't doubles. think you can play ossification in the uh, no. in that no, deck. Sadly not. But uh, there's still like a lot of like relevant ETBs. Like, ah, oh, gosh, how many can I name? Uh, Callus Blood Mage, or like every every uh, Agent of Treachery. I want anything of that one first. Uh, Titan mm -hmm. of Industry. Everything in that deck has an Ooh. ETB, and I think that this is just such just a huge fires. power Ooh. upgrade for the Ignetic Ooh. Incarnation deck. <laughs> I am so excited for it. Yeah. What do you think, Kevin? You like mommy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I love Enigmatic Incarnation, and I've played the uh, Yaruk in that, and this is just like a million times better than Yaruk. And it's so castable. It's so castable. Yeah. Um. So that's enough for mom. Do you want to talk about another one, Kevin? I think we have, what, one or two more? We have two left. Guys can finish I don't, yeah, I don't have too much I want to talk about still. I could talk about one more green creature that I think is very much a maybe for me. Um, is Venerated Rot Priest, I, I want to keep my eye on. 
um, because I need to you know try it out before I can completely write it off. It's a one mana Phyrexian Druid. It's a one two with Toxic one, and whenever a creature you control becomes target of a spell, target opponent gains a poison counter. Um, now that's your spells and your opponent's spells. I don't know if you're trying to heroic with this or if you're just trying to like, hey, I put two of these into play and my black red opponent can never interact mm. with me or they're going to die. Um, but at the very least, it does seem like in those matchups where your opponent would be targeting your creatures a lot, um, it will certainly be a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a lightning rod, mm-hmm. like they kind of have to remove it before they try and remove your more important creatures. So maybe if there is some kind of deck, like, you know, the green, green, white boggles deck is a possibility. I'm not sure exactly, but I'm interested to keep an eye on this card because it, it feels like that could add up faster than it looks like, especially if you have a few ways to kind of turbocharge yeah, it. Yeah, combo kill. That'd be sweet. Why? You know, like there's a there's a like one mana green spell that targets any number of creatures. Like you pay green for each one. I want to say. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think what that is. I don't remember what that is. Uh, It's got strive. Hold on one second. It's uh, Tessin tactics. Oh, okay, that one's one in a green. Super fringe. Do you guys remember uh, infectless infect? With like it was a green red with the energy counter guy that like doubled his thing. And... Oh, electrostatic pummeler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There no, we go. I think. Uh, I think. Sadly, as much as I love the toxic mechanic and I love killing people with infect because that's the cheesiest way to kill someone. <laughs> I just sadly don't think we're gonna end up seeing this card see play. Hey, I didn't mention Zada, what Hedron Grinder or whatever that's it's true. called. Mm-hmm. That's true. You didn't do that, and I could have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think. I think if any card makes this archetype playable, it is this card. But I don't think we have enough of a shell. I think that maybe if we see more toxic cards in the next set that are a little bit more pushed, maybe. But if this if this set ability, I would be all over this card. But it doesn't. Oh, it yeah. doesn't. So I just well, I, can't. Be, I can't. That would be okay. I can't. I can't get excited about this card. Okay. All right. Well, one more card, I think, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, so it's me. It's me. Know. I put this one on here as like a hot take. As my actual like, yeah, this card's probably dookie, but you know what? I wanted to talk about it since it, uh, since it's one of the cards that has been officially spoiled. Uh, Zenith Chronicler. And now uh, you guys are probably thinking like, I've never heard of this card in my life. So let me introduce you to him. He's a two mana three one. That's an artifact creature, Frexian construct, and he says whenever a player casts their first mono- multicolored spell each turn. Each other player draws a card, so you draw a card. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but a lot of cards nowadays are pretty multicolored. And I think that yeah. if we're seeing like some aggressive strategy, this card drawing you cards and being like, I'm going to say this with, I understand it's like very incorrect, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like a very uh, small um, Esper Sentinel kind of thing where you're mm. like trying mm. to like draw cards and like still being able to like push your strategy and just slowing your opponent because like maybe they don't want to cast as many of their multicolored cards because you're we're, we're gonna end up drawing cards or it's just like it's just to interact with the game and like a poke you kind of affinity strategy just it just mm-hmm. seems so like it has so much potential maybe but it's the first card to get cut when you get against mono green but yeah i think yeah. we're okay with that yeah i can see it in the side i like I like three ones. Um, I'm trying to think of multicolored card na- cards right now, and the only one I can think of is Bonecrusher Giant. Bonecrusher Giant. It's just running through my head here, so I- I'm not sure if I've bought uh, it yet. Dreadbore. We see Dreadbore. Yeah. It's like the most popular removal The Blood Tide Harvester as well. Blood Tide Harvester um, you draw a card off of. Um, if we're even looking at like... Uh, 
other random cards that are just like random multicolored cards. Uh, we know Ignatic Incarnation plays a lot of yeah. them. Uh, we know I, that Gruel Midrange. I think this is definitely a meta game. Uh, a meta game call. You know, I think in certain meta games you could crush. It'd be like really good. It just—it's one of those cards that I think I looked over immediately when I was spoiled and just didn't think anything about. It. I'm like, cool, two mana, mm-hmm. three one. That doesn't win the game. Who cares? Or like, isn't like aggressively statted. But the more and more I think about it, the more and more just like, even if this card draws a card, it's pretty good because it's already had the artifact strategy. It's already trying to enable other things. If it draws two cards, this card's insane. Oh my god. Mm. So it's just, it has such a high ceiling that I just kind of have to talk about it a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, that's, is that the last I one on our that's list? that's the last one on our list. La- last question. All right, there's definitely a lot more interesting yeah. cards in this set that we're going to want to talk about next yes. week. What was your last question? I was going to say, right? like, you know, just, you know, from this first look, how balanced does this set look compared to the other recent sets that we've had coming out? Like, you know, you know, compared to like, you know, I guess Neo... Uh, you know, Kamigawa Neo is like probably up there, uh, and then we had some mm. lower lower power level maybe versions or not versions sets like maybe I don't know, Streets of Nicompena or um, uh, you know Dominaria United. Where do you guys put this? How balanced is this compared to the other recent sets we've had, or just in Pioneer sets in general? Uh, I personally believe this set to be a lot more impactful than a lot of sets that we've seen. I think it might be on par with Kamigawa going into it. I think there's a lot of cards that have a lot of potential. There's a lot of new things that are like, uh, that haven't been explored. That are just like, uh, uh, just resurgence of decks that uh, were a forgotten time. I think the most deck, I think the deck that's getting the biggest upgrade is the Enchanties deck. Mm-hmm. I do think that deck is easily going to be pushed to like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not calling anything tier one, I, but I definitely think yeah. it's going to be pushed to like one of the higher uh, uh, epsilons of the format. Uh, I think that there's a lot of cards in this set that easily can be overlooked and to be a lot more busted because we are dealing mm-hmm. with poison counters here we we do have to be yeah. aware of that we are dealing with poison counters something could easily be kill you quickly and we don't need mm-hmm. to notice it um there could easily be a ledger shredder in the set or anything like that but i do think that it's pushing a lot of archetypes that haven't existed in the format yeah. in forever and i think yeah, it's yeah. just so exciting for this for brewers or players alike However, I could see that this set just be a dud because mm. it is pushing a lot of archetypes that mm-hmm, do not mm-hmm, currently mm-hmm. exist. But I am yeah, that, I'm so doubtful. That's more aligned with where I'm, I'm thinking right now. I don't think is it's going to be a yeah, dud. Th- okay. Give it a little. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a total dud. I think I'm more aligned with that last thing you said is where, like, you know, Streets of New Capenna, I felt like every I was the super pessimist. I was like, every single card I hate from this set. Um, this set, I'm... I do think that there's some powerful cards, but I'm definitely being like, yeah, there's not a lot that's feeding existing, um, you know, the existing decks that are in the meta. So I am afraid that it, it's very possible that, you know, people are like, okay, well, what I'm winning with right now is working. So why on earth would I change for these new cards? And I, I don't think it's going to have an obvious splash in the format and that could make it low impact overall. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to kind of, but I, I'm willing to see what else comes out. I'm going to kind of put it in between. I'm going to play it just under brothers war, but like, you know, in between, you know, like Neo and streets of new Campana. It's not, it's not as low as that. It'll be more of a middle. I think it'll be a, a good set and we can go into this a little bit more next week. And I can ask the same question after we do our, our set review and get a, a brighter, or say a broader view of all the cards and the, the strategies that, you know, they could uh, affect. I'm just excited that we don't have another Innistrad Crimson Vow where we have nothing to talk about other than Thalia. I am so excited to actually have a set where we actually have a lot of cards that create decks and 
uh, huh. even build on existing tier two, tier three strategies. Two, two. I think that's a lot more exciting. Yeah, yeah. So at least as long as it's not an Innistrad Crimson Vow, I'm so excited. All right, well, that's going to bring us to the end of our episode here. Thank you guys all for listening, and thank you, too, for joining us. If you're enjoying this content, if you are excited to hear our new episode, which is going to be coming out next week and is going to cover all of the set, uh, then make sure to go ahead and follow us at MDG Pioneer. You can also find a link to our Discord there to you know talk to us, join us, do all kinds of conversation with lots of Pioneer lovers. All right, and you guys can find me on uh, Twitter at YoJapanHobbyist. And uh, Ashiok, how about you? How can people find you? Oh, you know you can find me. Your boy hasn't streamed in a hot minute. It's sad <laughs> that we can't plug the Twitch, but we will anyway. You know, Ashiok Nightmare. Oh, yeah, no, please do. Uh, but Twitter, Dreams of Ashiok. Any 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 ideas or anything that I've said today that like really interests you that you want to talk about? Would love to talk about. I am so excited about Vanifar. Do I have any idea how to build it? Nope. <laughs> but... I mean, it looks really interesting, and it looks really fun, and I am such a fan of this Tyvar card. I am going to try to make it work, and there's a couple other cards that do really excite me, and I'm so excited to post about right. them on Twitter. Yeah. So if you want to see that, Jim's And, and look forward to next week for me and uh, Ashiok butting heads on some oh, cards, so that, that's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for joining us. No, we really appreciate your insights, and I think that you've given us some good thoughts to put on these new cards, as well as, uh, you know, bounce some things off of us. So we always appreciate you having you on the show, appreciate your input, and thank you so much. And thank you all for listening out there. Uh, once again, we are the first Pioneers podcast, and we are completing out. <laughs> <laughs>